Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That old expression, you throw a clean shirt in the dirty laundry and it's going to stink is, is relevant. And, you know, as you move into springtime every year, the, the dormant grass starts to grow, but the weeds pop up. And the same is true in business. You get these vocal minority, the, the gripers, the complainers, the people that bitch about every single thing. I mean, you know, these, these, these players, they, they would win the lottery and complain they had to pay taxes. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. What's up, peeps? It is your favorite podcast. Is it Thoughts That Rock, where we discuss current uh, ideas, current, uh, what do you want? Obstacles. Obstacles. Issues. And our amazing guests, and sometimes even ourselves, get to give uh, three thoughts surrounding how to approach those challenges. Yeah. People love it. That's what they say. I think so. I mean, the people that say that to our face, I don't know what they're saying behind our back, but in our mind, it's awesome. Both people love it. Both of them. Those are just our moms. Well, we're pretty excited about today because it's a good friend of mine who's actually on the show, TJ Shear. We had a great conversation with him, but yeah. started with the topic. We said, you know, what's something that people deal with? This one's a little bit more on the business side. It was how to motivate frontline workers. And we started to go through our Rolodex. Do people have Rolodexes anymore? <laughs> we went through our list and Half said- Half our crowd just went, well, what are you talking about? They're like, who? <laughs> These Gen Xers. Uh, TJ has been doing this for a while because I've known him since our chart days as a council of hotel and restaurant trainers. He and I were in that organization. Uh, he was the president um, of that group at one point, but he's been in the industry hospitality for the most part for 40 years. I remember him when he was spending 18 years at Chuck E. Cheese Oof. and was doing training and field support for those guys. Wound up being uh, for a, like a dozen years a franchisee for Witch Witch, mm. if you know the the sandwich organization. I'm stuck so, on the Jamboree band. Yes, <laughs> both of those put together, <laughs> and and then really he's now the uh, COO of Big Shots Golf, and uh, you're going to hear a little bit about that in our interview. But really, this guy I've just known him because he's a he's a thought leader, he's a consultant, he's a leading speaker in a variety of areas, especially obviously the franchise space has written numerous books um, and he's just a great friend. And and we were really, really fortunate to have him on the show. Honestly, time flew by like that, but I think you said something in the interview about, boy, we could have crammed in a little bit more too, because he's just a wealth of knowledge. We yeah. had a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Check out this amazing conversation we had with TJ Shear. Rock on. Boom. There he is. TJ Shear is in the house. What's Great up, buddy? to be here. Same here, man. I was telling Brant before we got started, and obviously we were just talking about this in the uh, in the the run up, the lead into the show. 
about just your background and uh you know it's 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 awesome because you've done a lot of cool things um although you're a long timer you stick with things for a long time <laughs> but when you look at your career i go man it's uh it's pretty fantastic and i was just sharing with brant how i've known you now for i want to say it's over 25 years because because we've known each other in chart yeah. uh, for, for a while even when you know before you were president of the organization, right? Do you know how many years we've actually known each other? Whew, I was president in 20 or 2003. So that was, it's definitely over 20 years. We're probably pushing 25. So probably yeah. half our lives just about is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great. All right, man. I love it. Well, we're, we're thrilled, man, uh, about this topic, um, about how to motivate frontline workers. And again, just after looking at, at your bio again, I think people are going to pretty much understand as to why we sort of consider you as, I don't know if you consider yourself an expert, but you've been doing this a long time. And I remember you running point on this stuff, even at Chuck E. Cheese, kind of in front of the rest of the industry. So pretty excited, man. So we're just, we're going to turn this thing over to you and just ask you right out of the gate, what is your first thought that rocks on how to motivate frontline workers? Well, my first thought on how to motivate frontline workers is what I call pulling the weeds. And I don't know if I'm an expert, but I think I'm, I'm certainly a, a glutton for punishment to stay in this, this industry where whether it's hospitality or food or retail or, or many of the areas that probably listeners are working in, it is tough these days to find frontline workers. And I think the mistake that most managers make is they don't get rid of the weeds. They don't pull the bad ones, the C players, the anchors, whatever it is you want to call them. They've got to get rid of them first because they all try and hire new people. And it's so hard to hire these days. And that old expression, you throw a clean shirt in the dirty laundry and it's going to stink is is relevant. And, you know, as you move into springtime every year, the, the dormant grass starts to grow, but the weeds pop up. And the same is true in business. You get these vocal minority, the, the gripers, the complainers, the people that bitch about every single thing. I mean, you know, these yeah. these these players, they they would win the lottery and complain they had to pay taxes. You know, yes. they're just yeah. there's just nothing's ever good enough. You, you got to get them out of the culture because they're poison. They're toxic. And I think if you start there, you have a much better success when you bring in new people they'll see a little bit different culture. You'll remove some of those weeds and, and your garden will be a lot prettier. Yeah. Well, why do you think people um, resist doing it? I mean, why, why wouldn't they do it or do it quick enough is kind of also your point. Is it just this environment and sort of the, the post COVID mentality that I can't find good people. Therefore I'm going to hold on to even, you know, even the bad ones, or do you think there's something a little bit more systemic? You know, I think a lot of it is the way we were all raised in business. I, I remember starting, you know, Chuck E. Cheese when I was a 16-year-old kid and dating myself that literally was 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And back then, you, you saw managers back then letting the C players hang around. And, and it's just, yeah. it's easy for the managers. And I also think it, it always gives the managers an excuse and somebody to point the fingers at instead of taking accountability and saying, oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this player loose. They they sit there and they keep them. It's easy. They don't have to face hard hard conversations with that group. They don't have to reach into themselves internally and challenge themselves to be a better leader and say, "Look, here's the standard. I need you to play up to this standard. And if you do, great. Keep playing with us. If not, time to go. Maybe this isn't for you." And and I think most managers were raised like that in the industry, and so that's how they behave when they get there. And it's very, very difficult to change that behavior 
unless you look in the mirror and change yourself. Yeah, I think that to use that analogy, a lot of these weeds uh, used to be flowers in the garden <laughs> uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, but they stick around so long that they're so jaded or, you know, they, they come become almost belligerent in cases that um, I think one of the hurdles is they are long timers, right? And so getting rid of some of the senior people that have been there uh, makes it a little bit more precarious, I think, to let somebody go. Uh, do you find that that's often the case that it's the people who have been around the longest that sort of sour on their experience? That's a, a very interesting take on it. And I, I really haven't thought about it that way per se, but I, as you kind of frame that question, I think what a lot of it is, is the middle managers or the, the retail level, the store level, whatever type of organization you're in, the old timers, the manager and that old timer mindset is allowed to stay. And again, face it, I'm, you know, I'm the old man on the porch nowadays. And mm -hmm. I tried to fight the, oh, you can't use your phones, don't have them out. And then I would catch myself running around the venue or the restaurant on my phone all the time. And they're looking at me going, hey, man, how come you can use your phone and I can't? And I wanted to say, well, you're looking at Facebook or Instagram and I'm working and that doesn't cut it. And so <laughs> it's really it's not a it's not a bottom up solution. It is a top down solution. The, the companies need to look at the, the old timers who are some of the managers and maybe they're not old, but their mentality is old school. And that needs to change this generation. Man, they're they're rock stars to use your terminology. They're talented. They multitask. We, the older group, have to figure out how to kind of play in their sandbox. So when I say pull the weeds, maybe sometimes it's people like me in that middle layer of management because you don't have a great general manager. You're, you're not going to have a great culture in your in your store, venue, restaurant, whatever it is that you're running. Yeah. You know, the the terminology that you just use, Brant, talking about maybe they used to be flowers, right? <laughs> this is another issue um, that I was just thinking about when you were asking the question. You know, I take these these three C's that I talk about in some of my talks around competence, character, and culture fit. And I think what you're saying, TJ, the language that you were saying, the weeds that you need to pull are the ones who don't fit into the culture, but maybe because they're competent or maybe because they're the ones who are getting the sales, maybe they're getting some results, but they really don't fit. If I understand you correctly, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if they're disrupting the harmony of everything that you're trying to do, and they're just going to be a problem, they're going to be an incident, they're going to be an accident waiting to happen anyway, but they happen to be getting some results. Do you think that's a, an issue as to why people don't pull the weeds fast enough? They're not making those decisions because, well, they're contributing somewhere. But but really what they're doing is it, it's it's death by a thousand cuts, right? I think you nailed it spot on. And I think the easiest analogy I would use is a, a general manager or a district multi-unit manager that that runs good labor. They they run the number that the bosses up the ladder want to see. And so people leave them alone. Oh, they must run a good store, restaurant, venue, cafe, whatever the case may be. But when you really peek under the hood there, the culture there's miserable. The people don't like it. And so maybe if those the leadership group would look further into some of the cultural aspects, whether it's employee surveys, guest surveys, other metrics besides one like labor and the example I just gave, they might yeah. uncover some things they don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also funny because we talked about this on some other 
podcast actually just recently that back in the day, um, you know, I, I would throw down the culture card with the CEO. I'd say, listen, we ought to do this because it'd be cool and fun and, and whatever. Yeah. And I got laughed out of the room because it wasn't tied to any objectives. It had nothing tied to the strategic plan. But now I think there's way too many companies that swear the only reason that they are where they are is because of their culture, you know, which I equate as their people. They've got the right cultural fit. So it can be done. Um, and, and I think, you know, before we jump into your second point here, I, you know, just to give people some thoughts and advice, if they have any leadership at all, where they have anybody reporting to them, you can ignore the cultural fit side if you want to and just focus on them doing the job and getting the results. But it's going to be a problem if you're looking for long-term sustainability. If you just want the spike, if you just want to get the promotion, if you just want to get the bonus one time, great, keep doing what you're doing. But I think your point is, you know, the ones that really shouldn't be there. And, you know, maybe, maybe everybody gets amnesty and you, you know, you focus on everybody who's there, but the next time a position opens up and you hire the right one, you ultimately will, will get all of your performance metrics to focus on the culture side of the business and not just on the, on the, on the profit side. Right. Right. And I think even when I say pull the weeds, it sounds a little harsh. I'm not saying run around and just, just cut everybody, but you know, to kind of circle back to that analogy, when the weeds pop up in the yard, if you get the lawnmower or the weed eater and just kind of not pull the roots, they're going to come back. Yes. And and yeah. there's a lot of, to Brant's point earlier, there's a lot of people that when we hired them, we saw this great energy. We thought this person was going to fit and either we managed it out of them or perhaps we put them in the wrong spot. You take somebody that's yeah. very shy and throw them out front, they're going to be a weed. They may be a rock star yeah. back in the kitchen or behind the scenes in your organization, but if they're in a customer facing position that may not be for them so again just just to clarify i don't want to say terminate everybody that's a weed you know a lot of times it's it's find the right spot for them and you know whether it's with your organization or somebody else it's awesome awesome all right man what's the uh, second thought that rocks my uh second thought that rocks is it's a quote from an old gmc ad that said amateurs practice until they get it right pros practice until they can't get it wrong and i'd heard that Mm. quote and um, one of my my business crushes, pals, Sudden Service in Eastern Tennessee, oh, yeah. says, "Train people until they can't get it wrong." And and really, what that means is, I'll, I'll use this example to kind of keep within you. I am envious of anybody that can play music. I I have no rhythm. I cannot clap and walk at the same time because I have to think. I'm. It's yes. sad how my wife says you are the most uncoordinated musical person, but can play sports without a problem. And and I don't know where in my brain those two things are are not connecting, but I would have to think to play a song because I don't even know the basics. And if we have people interfacing with our guests or our customers or working on critical projects in our organization, and they just don't know it so well that they don't have to think, that's a problem. And, and unfortunately, most groups, we train people for a few days and we throw them out there and we go, OK, cool. Yeah, you know how to do it. Good luck. And then we never train them again. And then they fall off and they get frustrated and the guests get frustrated and the, the cycle continues. So it's real critical to train people until they can't get it wrong. I love it. It's right in your world, man. Yeah. You know, I th- I think it's um, to, to use the music analogy. Uh, it's one thing to learn the notes. It's another thing to learn the theory. 
and I, and I think that that's sort of the difference, right? So, so anybody can look, well, if you're, you know, not anybody, but if you're a musician and you're sitting there and you, <laughs> yeah, you, you got the sheet music in front of you or a chord chart of some kind or the Nashville numbers system, or whatever you're using, um, you can look at that and follow along. Uh, it's something else to go deeper and learn the theory behind what you're playing, right? So there's a, there's music theory that will teach you which chords are related to each other and the circle of fifths and all these incredible things that when you learn them, you don't need to know exactly the note because you know, sort of the, the system that you are within, it's hard to play a wrong note. Yeah. If you know you're in the key of E, there's only certain notes that follow that key. Right. And so yeah. uh, I, I think the, the musicians who take it that far, are those incredible jazz musicians that can sit up there and jam for mm -hmm. hours oh, yeah. um, and they don't even know what's coming next, but they don't have to know what's coming next because they know the sort of the landscape of which they are working within. Um, but if you're only following the music and you're trying to almost like playing piano and trying to turn the page and you're trying to do all these <laughs> things, it gets really tense in those moments um, that, that it's the same sort of a deal in, in organizational culture, I think when you go deeper to understand the why, um, it's a lot easier to to function as opposed to just going through the employee handbook and and behaving a certain way uh, to to the company standards, if you will. Yeah, I agree. And it, when I, it, 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 go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, DJ. I was going to say, you know, I grew up in in Chuck E. Cheese's. Uh, you saw in the bio, and but I always reported to operations. And so when I moved from uh, the operations side to the training side, I always reported to operations. And in my head, training is operations, and operations is training. And a lot of organizations, it's not like that. And they just take a good operator and they say, "Poof, you're a trainer." And they may they may be the best musician in the world. But if they can't train somebody else how to get from zero to 60 miles an hour, they struggle. And, and I think yeah. too many people put great employees in, into a training position. And then you take that a step further. The best leaders are great trainers. And I've learned a lot in this role. I, I, I was a Witch Witch franchisee for 14 years. We went from zero locations to 17, and, you know, to build a company like that. And I got here at Big Shots Golf and we had one with no systems. I mean, we were a, a startup and we grew to seven in the last 18 months. You have to teach everybody everything. And um, I, have a, I have a great ops service and training person on my team. And we have a, a fairly new general manager. And every time she's with either myself or uh, our ops services person, she's always asking, how did you guys see that? What did you know? How do you know how to have these conversations and what to say to the guest or what to say to this troubled employee? It, it's this, you know, she is just this awesome sponge of teach me, teach me, teach me. But often a lot of times we, we walk in like we're the Jedi. Hey, we see everything. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we have to be the person that is that guide to take the hero of the story, which is your employee. <laughs> up to that next level and, and make them a superhero. And, and that's, it's very difficult to do, but training is one of those things that's critical to make sure that they will not make mistakes. Well, this is right up my alley. Cause as you know, have, yeah. you and I have followed <laughs> some similar career paths, um, you know, and it, it's, I, I equate this to, um, you know, not just hard rock, but I almost see this with any organization that's doing a conference, right? the ones that usually have their PowerPoint slides, they have their talk down, whether they're going to show video, tell a story, you know, throw a, a question out to the audience, whatever it is, 
it's the HR, it's the training, sometimes it's operations, but they s seem mm -hmm. to have their stuff down where people that wait to the last minute, sales, marketing, they have the beautiful, like they've got all the bells and whistles and they're going to show the cool video, but yeah. they're changing stuff and they've crammed 10 pounds of content, a five pound bag. And so when I look at, you know, what you just said about training until they can't get it wrong, they haven't trained themselves even they're you know, they've, they've sort of have Frankenstein monster, some presentation together, but they're not, they're, they're not aware of how much time it requires or what the next slide is or, or how people are going to respond to it. I think, you know, maybe brand putting it into our speaking world and TJ, you do this as well as a speaker, the fact that you go through your own stuff enough that you now, you know, exactly what's happening on the next slide, what the mm -hmm. temperature of the room, who's talking in the back of the room, what's working, what's not working. Like, you know, again, I think if you get it to the point that you can't get it wrong, you're now not focusing on the basics. Every single time you do something now, you're thinking, how can I make it better than it was the last time? How can I amp it up for this audience? How can I get it to the next level? Not how can I just survive the amount of time that I have? So I, I think when we're talking about how to motivate frontline workers, you're right. There's a cost there. there there's impatience with people. They, they are ready after two hour orientation and maybe a half a day of training. Let's throw them into the position because you think that's going to be very productive, but in fact, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're making it worse for the company. So I don't know how much time you spend training people, even at, at big shots. Now, I, I would guess knowing you, you probably do a little bit of overkill. There's probably more training right on the front end. Yeah. I would like to think what we, what we want to do and what we are doing are the same things, but I, I'm a, I'm a realist. I know that, you know, certain times we get short staff in our venues and we're, we're likely to throw somebody in there before they're ready. Um, I think, you know, one of the things we've seen out of COVID is simplify the business model, simplify everything you're doing. And we say simplify yeah. and amplify, you know, it's, let's make it a little bit easier. Let's take a little bit off the front end. And we've done things like uh, using text-based links with a, a, a brand out there. So myself or our training director or whoever can just send out bite-sized pieces of information so that they're just, that's how this generation's wired. They want everything in six second video clips. And so, you know, instead of us trying to cram everything on the front end, they're not going to pay attention. Any, they can't, you know, they can't. I used yeah. to memorize phone numbers. All right. You know, my hard drives a little bit differently than everybody else's, but I don't need to do that anymore. Right. This generation's like, yeah, I don't know what the number is, but I'm going to call Jim or I'm going to call brand, but they know where to find it. And so I think yeah. if you can just put some of your information out more in bite-sized pieces and think more like a personal trainer trying to get somebody, you know, to lose a bunch of weight and get in shape. There's a lot of components to that and it, it doesn't happen in a day. So we've actually kind of shortened a lot of what's on the front end and then drip it through the rest of their career path with us so that it's a little more effective. They're getting constant development and constant updates so that again, they're not going to get it right in a day. Let's, let's make sure they get it right quickly. Uh, so that they can grow and take care of the brand and, and take care of their careers. Yeah. It's communicating the language with which they dream. One of your, one of your favorite quotes <laughs> yep. that I said. That's yours. Yeah. That's your <laughs> quote. Believe it, me. It is mine, but, but it's the same concept. Listen, we'll be, uh, we'll be right back after this message. Welcome to the wellness driven life show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, 
champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living. All right, man, bring us home. I love it. What, what is our right. third thought that rocks? Um, performance drives morale, not the other way around. Mm. So it kind of means don't play for the check. You know, you, you know, and I'll use the analogy of the NFL or whatever. You see that, the, you know, the guys who just go wherever the money's the best. They don't, they don't care about the, the brand or the team. They just, they just want the check. And we have employees like that. And um, it's, a, it's a kind of a, I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth probably because it's, you know, it's hard to have the culture without the performance and vice versa. But I think it's kind of a, you know, 51-49. Yeah, I think it, it, to go back to your sort of no weeds in the garden, uh, first thought is also if you're hiring the right people and you're removing the the ones who are the sort of the culture killers, um, then when the performance happens and they're seeing it maybe in another department or they're seeing it across uh, across the company in, in some other way, it sort of motivates them to want to perform um, yeah. and meet that standard, right? Especially if yeah. if they see that it's happening within the organization. We were just talking uh, uh, earlier about um, one of our favorite uh, brands and and our, our buddy Joe over at uh, Twin Peaks. You know, they um, it, when you're really performing well, it. it it makes all the franchisees want to perform well because nobody wants to be in the bottom, right? <laughs> so they go, yeah. well, they're watching it happen. They're seeing proof that it's possible. What do I need to do to elevate my game um, yeah. to be at that level? And I think it's this is a really important point that you're making, which most people think it they, they try to motivate from the bottom up, right? Well, we've got this yeah. incredible culture and hopefully we're going to perform and hit those numbers as opposed to, look at these people or this department who's crushing it and what can we do to, to meet that standard? Yep. Totally. Yeah. And, and we were, we were talking about uh black box intelligence as well. Our good mm -hmm. friends, you know, Wally and Joni Doolin who had started that thing. Yeah. And, and it was that point, you know, once you even join that consortium, you're immediately going to get better in almost every category because you're compared to everybody else. But mm -hmm. You know, your point there, I think you, I think you can get away with that at the very beginning and orientation. It's rah, rah, rah. You sort of get them all jazzed up, but at some point you have to perform. And if you personally are doing it, it's going to make you feel better and the people around you, but organizationally, when, when we're all winning, there, there is something about getting people to get all excited about the business. You can't come in and, and really on a consistent basis, try and, and, do the dog and pony show and get people all excited when you're missing your numbers, when, when, whatever that the, the financials are S sales solves so many issues, performance <laughs> solves so many issues. So, you know, I, how would you say TJ to put that into real terms? If somebody is listening right now and you know, the topic is how to motivate frontline workers and you say performance drives morale, not the other way around. What, what does that mean for me? What can I specifically do? to sort of take that mentality and run with it? You know, I think when I say performance drives morale, a lot of people just think it's business metrics, but it, it really isn't. Just think about coming into work and if the team members feel like 
I've got to work with person A or person B and they slack. They're walking in thinking, I got to carry extra weight. I don't want to be there. Why doesn't the manager address this situation? Nobody wants mm-hmm. to run a, a shift where you're going to get beat up and it's no fun. Yeah. And I, I, to me, that's performance. To me, it's as simple as win the shift. Let's win the shift. Everybody feels good. Man, the kitchen went great or the retail, you know, everything went great in that establishment today or the guests were all happy or the customers, whatever business that you're in. It's really as simple as start there because people want to play on a winning team. And and you yeah. see it in, in sports all the time. There's certain organizations. That, uh, hey, I live in Dallas. You know, their brand is worth a, a bunch of money, yeah. but they don't win on the yeah. field. They haven't won in 30 freaking right. years. So if you're yeah. the owner of the team, hey, you're happy. We're, we're performing great. But yeah. the, they don't have a winning culture in that locker room. They can't win yeah. on the field where it matters. And I, I always use that analogy with franchisees. Because as yeah. the franchisor, i.e. the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, ooh, the brand's worth a lot of money. I'm cashing a lot of checks. But your players on the field, the franchisees, are miserable. And and yeah. so, again, performance drives morale, not the other way around. I mean, we, we do cool orientation. We give our managers great shoes and, you know, it's, hey, walk a mile in my shoes. And I still think we yeah. probably have one of the coolest orientation programs out there, like you mentioned earlier. We actually make everybody a guest for the first hour that they work for us. They are out there hitting golf balls. They're eating our food. They're getting all the fun because I want them to understand the old begin with the end in mind that we're here to teach you how to take care of the guests. Like how you just felt the first hour here, that's what you're here to learn how to do. And and then at that point, it's really up to our GMs. And, and if we don't have the right person running that venue in our case, living that culture, I can say everything I want on a video and training and everything else, but it's really dependent on who their boss is. And and it's real critical for the managers to talk to their staff. I always, when I was a consultant, I did a lot of town halls, no managers present. Tell me what's going on. I could almost yeah, always yeah. tell them who the, who the troublemakers were in the group because yeah. they were the very vocal minority. They complained about everything. And, and they drag the rest of the team down and you get rid of that one person in there, like to go back to the first point. Now all of a sudden everybody's like, whew, you know what? Yeah. That is performance driving morale. We got rid of the non-performer. Everybody's happier. Performance goes up because we got rid of the worst people. And, um, yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, you know, it's kind of, a, you know, talking out of both sides of your mouth deal, but it, people want to play for winning successful organizations that it's just more fun when you win. It's business is not like everybody gets a ribbon at the YMCA soccer match. This is we're yeah. keeping score. We want to have fun, yeah. but, it, but it's not just the business metrics. It's literally just, yeah. Hey, if I'm an assistant manager and I can't control a lot of the outcomes, I can win the yeah. shift. That's performance. Yeah. And that will drive them around because yeah. your team will then want to work for you and work more shifts. Yeah. And that'll help you learn what you need to do to get successful to go ahead. Yeah. I think it, it's, it almost, uh, when you, when you say this and, and I think taking it to the extreme, I think of, you know, uh, the, the last dance, uh, mm. documentary with Jordan in the, in yeah. the Bulls teams of the nineties, right. All they did was win, but everybody hated playing on that team. <laughs> yeah. So they loved winning, but they hated being a teammate of Jordan who would drive them to the point of, of, 
being on the brink of wanting to quit because he demanded so much from them. So I think in this, to, to your point, you got to have a balance, right? Um, yeah. You can't just, you can't just lose the morale on one side, because if you're winning and everybody hates being there, yeah. that's not, that's not going to be any sort of long-term sustainable success. Um, but, but sort of going back to those, those nineties bulls teams, even, even in that documentary, I, I can just remember, uh, even at that point, I knew Will Purdue, uh, and and he, <laughs> yeah. he would he would tell me these crazy stories of like, oh, it was awesome to to you know wear all those championship rings, but nobody wanted to go to practice because yeah. <laughs> you know he uh, Jordan was just going to pound on you until he got what he wanted out of you, and I I think that I think a lot of times to Jim's point of what he said earlier about sort of sales sort of can cover a lot of, of other problems. If the, if the revenue is there and people are making money, um, they become more uh, lenient and, and accepting maybe of weeds uh, <laughs> yeah. when, when they exist. Right. But I think to your point that, you know, with Jordan, that's almost the old school mentality of win at all costs. I don't care what the people happens to the people on our team. They're replaceable. We can find another. Yeah. You don't want to work here. Fine. We got a bunch of applications of people waiting to work here. It's not yeah. like that anymore, Scooter. No. It is a lot different. And, yes. and so, you know, if you can kind of take the discipline of what a Michael Jordan had or some of these other athletes to build that I want to win, but yeah. you, you got to bring other people along and it's got to be for the long term. Otherwise, you're just a hired gun and you're there for a couple of years. You saw it. I mean, I grew up in Houston. I was so happy he went to play baseball because we won our only two titles in the NBA back then when he was gone. And yeah. it's, it's not sustainable. I think you said it extremely well. Uh, and that's a great analogy. It makes me even rethink the whole Jordan-LeBron conversation because I think to your point, uh, they're two different. You have old school and new school, right? Mm -hmm. LeBron, far more of a team player far more of of sort of building a culture that is that is obviously wants yeah. to win but not at the expense of everybody hating each other um where the old school one was yeah i don't give a shit just make yeah. sure we win and let's get that ring and if you don't like it we'll trade you or 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 can you or whatever that's going to be but i think that the debate between those two athletes um more than their talent, I think it might be old school, new school, right? And in the the way of which they've sort of chosen to build their culture around them, the old school people look at LeBron and think he's soft, yeah. and the new school people look at LeBron like, look at what he's done both mm -hmm. on and off the court, and all these incredible things and the schools he's built. And you know, I'm a, I'm a Jordan guy, so I have a hard <laughs> time somebody telling me that that LeBron is is better than Jordan, but at what cost, right? And I think that's, that is a, it, it adds another dimension to that argument um, when you realize that it's a different day and age today than it was in the nineties. I think that's a great leadership book. It's, it's almost more, is, is it about me or is it about us? And, and I yeah. would just say for Jordan, it, it was about him. He yeah. won and, and with LeBron, yeah. it's about us. And I'm actually, you know, as I've kind of grown from training into more of an operations leadership role, um, story brandings become very relevant to me these days and crafting that story. And who's the hero? The hero's not you, Mr. or Mrs. GM. The hero yes. is your guest. The hero is your team member. And yes. we're, we're just the Yoda on the side, kind of being the guide to get them there. And that's, that's I think, what more of a LeBron personality is. And for long-term sustained leadership, that's really the, probably a much better approach 
than a win at all costs, take no prisoners. I'm going to run my way up the ladder. And yeah. we, we've seen so many leaders that have, you know, they're in jail now and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but, um, totally. you know, I think we all kind of are from the same tribe and mentality of what great leadership is in our minds. Yeah. Agreed. Let's name names. <laughs> Let's talk about the ones that are bad. You know, it's almost not fair on, on the format, the way that we have the show now to, to put you on the spot, to ask you for three thoughts, because I know this really was kind of your, this is what put you on the map is a lot of the ways to motivate people. And then that moved you into a lot of stuff, including technology. I was sharing with Brand earlier, you were really in the forefront of a lot of that stuff that the industry hospitality is using now, but these three that you gave us, you know, to, to motivate frontline workers, no weeds in the garden. You know, you got to get rid of the mm-hmm. ones that don't fit the culture, train until they can't get it wrong. And performance drives morale, not the other way around. Man, we just we, we thank you so much where if, if people do want to get a little bit more information, whether mm-hmm. it's about you or what you're doing now with Big Shots, where would you like for us to send everybody? Yeah, I think, you know, for me personally, I've kind of hung up my consulting shingle. So I've kind of pulled that that site and everything for down for now. Um, so obviously hit me up on LinkedIn. You'll see all my business crushes like, you know, you guys and Savannah Bananas and some of the other groups that are out there. But we are we are Big Shots Golf. We're the second largest golf entertainment company. And when you're not the first, we say you have to be always better. And we spell it A-L-L-W-A-Y-S. We have yes. to be better in all ways. You know, we're Truth. we're not the best known, but we want we want to be better, so that I when people it. come in, they uh they may think they're going to another place, but when they leave, they'll feel like a big shot. Yeah, oh, I love it, man. I love it. Well, brother, I can't thank you enough. I mean, again, whether it's twenty five, thirty years, again, I lose track as well. I just knew that you'd be a a wealth of knowledge for for this topic, and hopefully, people are listening and they got something out of it, whether they're somebody that's in a, a brand new position and they're just sort of getting a lay of the land, or they really do have some management leadership position where they're, they're influencing and impacting other people. I know that they could use these three thoughts. So thanks so much for being here, man. We, we can't thank you enough. Hook them horns in my, in my uh, book, rock on in your book, but uh, we're yes. connected at the hip and appreciate the opportunity. For sure. My friend, thanks, we'll brother. talk to you soon. Rock on. Hey, Rockstars, thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are, and grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. 
Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.